0: We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky.
1: Hello, my friends. I'm so honored and grateful to be in this relationship with you. We are social beings and we need relationships. In fact, I think they're the most important thing in the world. And it can seem like a double-edged sword. Relationships can hurt us and relationships can heal us. When I was brought to my knees by virtue of a human relationship is when I really went for an authentic relationship with God. I brought out every deep, dark secret, every painful emotion, and all my guilt and shame. And I found as I did this, I was met with some incredible healers and amazing grace. This is the healing journey, the journey of the hero. And today I'm speaking with someone who knows this terrain intimately, authentically, and who is a personal hero of mine. We are here with a very wise, conscious, compassionate teacher, prolific writer, masterful storyteller, and one of my favorite guests ever on Journey to Center, William Paul Young. Paul hails from Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada, with the majority of his first decade living with his missionary parents in the highlands of the Netherlands, New Guinea, among the Denai, a Stone Age tribe who participated in the worship of spirits and even occasionally practicing ritualistic cannibalism. He was then ushered off to a boarding school where life continued to throw curveballs as it ushered in pain and abuse in many forms and fashions. By the time he graduated, Paul had attended 13 different schools. He then put himself through Bible College working as a disc jockey, lifeguard, and for a time in the oil fields of northern Alberta. He eventually married his wonderful wife, Kim, and together they had six children. Paul has worked in diverse industries, including insurance, construction, for venture venture capital companies, telecom, contract work, to food processing, whatever was needed to help feed and house his family. And though he's always been a writer of songs, poetry, short stories, and newsletters, his musings were never meant for public consumption, but rather family and friends. Paul has experienced the pain of trying to adjust to different cultures, of life losses that were almost too staggering to bear. His journey has been both incredible and unbearable, a desperate grasping for happiness. And today, because of his anguish being brought to his knees, he has broken open. And experienced profound healing. He now lives a life of unexpected joy, profound faith, and in the center of the mystery and majesty of grace. So, Paul, thank you for being on another show with us here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio.
0: Thanks, Tammy. That was that was an awesome introduction. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's your what, story. What, I know, but you know, it was pretty encapsulating. Although. It's Donnie, not Danai, but that's all right. Donnie. You know, you, yeah, Donnie. And <clears throat> I was once, believe it or not, because my daughter called an 800 number. I ended up across from Regis Philbin on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Whole different story. But, <laughs> but I know, weird, right? So, and he loved the fact that I grew up with the Donnie. He says, so did you see Marie? I mean, it was just, that's totally Regis Oh Philbin. my goodness. Yeah too funny
1: and and i forgot to mention in this uh this introduction of you that you're also the writer of of the shack the international phenomenon that you self-published well you wrote it for your family self-published sold over 20 million copies and now it's an amazing feature film
0: Uh i forgot to mention that part i know yeah (laughs) but i just it's not that big a deal and uh (laughs)
1: And there's so pe- so many people out there reaching and grasping and striving and struggling to get to that space, and here you are just living your life in grace, and it just kind, it, it kind of ticks happens. them
0: off, right? <laughs> because I wasn't tough. even trying. I, mean, I, <laughs> I was like, what? How how did this happen? You know, and it's uh, it's just I think all humor originates in God, so this is just an expression of God's great sense of humor. I also say that, um, and this is an Old Testament. Hebrew scriptures allusion that it's, it's evidence that God can still speak through Balaam's ass. I don't know if you know that story. It's where a donkey talks to the, the prophet and confronts him. So I don't believe I,
1: that I do. It's not ringing a bell. It sounds like, a wow, bell. that's funny.
0: <laughs> well, it would have been a lot funnier if you knew the story, but that's all
1: right. I'm enjoying this, story, true. Even though I don't know the story, but I'll, I'll look it up and continue to enjoy you.
0: Yeah, it's a great. It's a uh, look up Balaam and Balak. That was this Balaam thing. and Balak.
1: I will do that for sure. Yeah,
0: and a talking. Do anything
1: you tell me. Balaam and Balak.
0: And a talking talking donkey. Like it's it was a historic because there was an angel that stood in front of the donkey and the donkey wouldn't go forward and his his master's trying to beat him forward and finally the donkey turns to him and says, "Are you blind?" <laughs> <laughs> Basically, and that's like that's how I feel sometimes. I'm the donkey. Well, <laughs>
1: I, and, and I think it's a good place to be because then we just I trust a the mystery. Place. And, and um, I, I think it's, it's brilliant. And you actually shared um, one of your personal prayers. I think it was on a, a, a subsequent episode. You've been on like, I think, four or five times now. And it's changed the way I pray. You, you said something along the lines, I'm probably not going to get this verbatim. You no longer ask or request uh, that God uh, bless uh, you. But that yeah. is there something God wants to bless the planet with? And can you somehow participate? Can yes. you somehow? help with that. Am I, am I saying this correctly?
0: You're, you are, you are. I'm a first born missionary kid, preacher's kid. And so my whole life I've been trying to get God to follow me, right? Hey, I got this great idea for you, for, for me, for you, for you, for really, it's for you. And uh, come on, follow me. And here's the crazy thing is that God will never abandon, never forsakes, never uh, leaves us. But if it's our adventure, God won't do anything. He'll see is like, give it your best shot. I'll be right here when, and tomorrow I'll come and say, Hey, um, today we're going to go on our adventure or yours again. <laughs> and, and I got to the place where I'm like, uh, I'm done with this. I had two prayers left the year I wrote the shack. And, and that was after an 11 year dismantling rebuilding process that is represented by McKenzie's weekend in the shack. And the two prayers were uh, Papa, I don't want to be an old man one day looking back at my life and wondering what would it have been like to take the risk involved in trust? I don't want to be that guy. And the other prayer was exactly like you said, I, I am never going to ask you again to bless anything that I do, but if you have something you're blessing, and would be okay for me to be a part of that. I'd be all over it. And I don't care if I'm cleaning the toilets or shining the shoes or holding the door open for somebody else. I just want to know at the end of the day that you did this and I got to participate. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's almost like God said, you know, uh, you know, this little story you're writing over here for Christmas for your kids. How about if I bless that? I mean, you, you give it to your kids and then I'll give it to mine
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what's happened. And so 15 copies did everything I wanted it to do. And now it's doing something that God wants it to do. And I get to participate. Like, how cool is that?
1: Oh my gosh. It's, it is. It's incredibly cool. It's like, what I say is God work through me. I want to be like a magic wand that he, no, uses but you for don't his purpose. No, 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 no. You okay. Tell me, that. tell me how I want to change. Oh, I do say I want to be in the passenger seat. Like, God's nah, nah, no, no,
0: no. not even that. Well, okay. Kinda, tell me more. Yeah. So see, we, we have language about God that we would never use for our children or grandchildren. So I'd never say to one of my kids, um, Oh, I can't wait for you to grow up so that you can become a tool that I can use, you know, <laughs> or <I'm the> tool. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: you
0: no. <laughs> wouldn't do that, but we say God right. does. that, Right. So I, I was with a friend of mine who's an artist and, uh, and, and he's fantastic. Um, and he does, uh, uh, painting with his hands and does these incredible things in really short periods of time. And so we were talking and he just says, I want I just want to be a tool that God uses. And I said, no, you don't. I said, explain to me your relationship with your, your brushes and stuff. I mean, do you tell them your deepest secrets and they, and they give you advice or, I mean, you how does it work? He's going like, what are you talking about? I said, exactly. You don't have a relationship with a tool, right? You, mm-hmm. you have a relationship with a person. And, and frankly, I come from a sexual abuse history. I don't want to be used, not even by God. I don't want to be a tool. And um, so the language that, that has been there since the early church that I'm trying to help us make some changes about is that, the, you know, God doesn't heal us because he wants to use us. He heals us because he loves us and then he invites us to play and the healthier we get, the greater capacity to play we have. Mm -hmm. And then we, we learn to work from play, from rest rather than toward it. And, um, so this is about participation because this is a God who loves participation. God's never done anything alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never done anything alone. That's part of the beauty of the Trinity. There's never been aloneness and we're created in the image of a God who's never been alone so i i love this participation um rather than being used because you end up with a god who's utilitarian and and i understand the the heart behind it like
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we're really saying i i want to i want to know that i am significant enough that i get included in in what you're doing on the planet and you know what it's happening it's happening all the time even two people who have no concept and relationship with any sense of God in their life, when they, for whatever motives they have, join together and create a human being, God submits to that choice, has such a respect for it, that God adds the life, an eternal life to that child. And um, and they've participated, whether they know it or not. And they participated in creating something that will way outlast a book or a movie or a song. You know, that's where the real action is. Mm, I'm thrilled to participate in this. Yeah. You know, and and when you hear it, you go like, "Ah, that's so true, you know, because it resonates with the tuning fork and the teacher who is the Holy Spirit, who has been poured out on all flesh.
1: Mm, I love that. And I I think knowing that we can trust this, you know, you, you talked about this and you wrote about our pain comes from not trusting that we are. Loved that we are adored um, by our Creator, and and I think you also say that um, trust and freedom is an incremental process. It's not going to happen all at once.
0: Yeah, Uh, we were we weren't told all the lies all at once, you know. And the way it It was chipping
1: away. (laughs) Yeah, it was a chipping away. So maybe we come back together the same way.
0: Well, it's and we're two incredible crafted as, as a, a, being. We're too intricate uh, for quick fixes, you know? And so, you know, God doesn't heal us apart from our participation. It's in the scene about forgiveness in the movie. And it's in the mm-hmm. book where, um, where Papa says, you know, you're not, you're not stuck because you can't, you're stuck because you won't. Right. You know? I think and, that's true. And a lot of us, that's, but, but in order for us to get unstuck, we have to begin to change our view of who God is so that God becomes someone we can trust because a lot of us were told lies. And when we have a God that we can't trust, mm-hmm. and you know, if you, you can't trust someone who's not good all the time, who is, you know, behind the hurting of a child or, sickness or illness, or it's all part of God's plan. You know, you make God the author of evil. Where are you going to run for comfort mm-hmm. to the author of evil? That's like running to your abuser. I mean, that just makes no sense at all. So yes. part of this is to, to begin to understand the character and nature of God differently than, um, than what has been our experience or what, we, what we've been told, especially those of us who are religious.
1: Yeah. And and it's radical. I know a, a friend of mine a um, few years ago was murdered. And when I got the phone call, I was spinning around. I was so cold and I was like, what do I do with myself? I kind of went into shock. I was like, what do I, I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I realized I can't outrun this pain. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to outrun this pain or distract myself from it. So I sat down and I talked to God and I said, I don't understand this doesn't make sense I don't understand this doesn't make sense and what I heard was it will never make sense from your limited human perspective you just have to trust me there's a higher order you just have to trust me and yeah and
0: it. and that's and for it. us as control freaks that's not an easy process
1: no cuz i mean it, it's like there's so much wrong with this story from my perspective and from the human perspective and anybody that is. The story would agree but there's a higher order and i, I I'll, that's my touchstone. That's what I have to do is believe that, trust that, relax into that, that my friend is loved. Everything is in divine order, even if that doesn't make sense from my limited human um, vision and perspective.
0: Right. So, and then you, and then when, if you have eyes to see, you begin to see how God climbs into that, into that lost, dark yes. place. And begins to fashion something living out of it, not trying to justify mm-hmm. the evil, because nothing justifies evil, but but transforming evil into something that becomes an icon and a monument of grace. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, I told you that I had a couple stories. So let's see I want to hear
1: some stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are a master <laughs> storyteller. So let's hear some.
0: <laughs> okay, so. I'm, I was invited back to this uh, set uh, a second time by Lionsgate, and it was near the end of their shoot, and it was shot up in British Columbia mostly. And uh, so I, they they called me up and said, and totally unexpected, saying, "We we want to fly you up on Wednesday. We'll take you. It's a couple two and a half hour drive to the central south part of British Columbia, a town called Chilliwack, where you'll spend the night at a hotel. We'll pick you up Thursday." So. Wednesday night, you'll get a call sheet that tells you what time we're picking you up and where we're taking you because there are multiple sites that they're shooting at. And, um, but we'd just like you to spend the day with us and then we'll fly you out on Friday. Great. So I'm thinking about it and I, there's a guy, a theologian who I've been trying to meet face to face. We'd had a lot of conversations. I had endorsed his recent book called A More Christ-Like God. His name's Brad Jerzak, married to Eden, who I'd actually met. And I'm thinking like, uh, I don't even know if he's in the country because he's a seminary professor in London, as well as living in British Columbia. Um, but I send him an email I'm telling him I'm going to come up Wednesday and the whole thing. Instantly get an email back. Can I come pick you up at the airport? I yeah. thought, uh, yeah, let me check. So I check with the transport. They say, great. And uh, it's all set. I send him back an email saying, like, absolutely. He said, I'll pick you up. We'll have lunch together, we'll talk theology all day, we'll have supper with Eden, and then I'll take you to your hotel, and then you can do your thing. Great. Ten minutes later, I get a I get another email from them, this time with a photo on it. And he said, You won't believe this, but Eden and I are up visiting two of our longest-time best friends, Dwight and Lori Martin. And Dwight is a business guy, Lori's a spiritual formations director, and they have a little cottage up at Cultus Lake which is a huge lake in southern central BC and um, we've been up there for and we're spending a few days up here and while we're emailing Dwight and I are walking in the woods and look and in the photo it's got Brad Dwight and a big yellow arrow with the, with the words on it the shack which in British Columbia means there's a movie set in this direction <laughs> and so I'm right I'm I'm talking to them about you know, coming up there for this. And they ran right into one of the site locations, two and a half blocks away from where Dwight and Lori live. And it's like, how cool is that? So then Brad says, you need to know that Dwight is the first one who gave me a copy of The Shack in 2008. And he um, he and Lori were incredibly impacted by the book. But three years ago, the youngest of their daughters gave her life back to god in the middle of the woods in a tree house um took her own life and um, and they're stuck he's and he said dwight believes that if he could read the shack again he could get unstuck but he can't get past chapter one and Lori is simply furious she is so angry at god and uh, because her daughter is dead And he said, I don't know if you'd have any time, but even 10 minutes, if you could, if we could find a way for you to spend 10 minutes, I think it would be really, really profound. And I wrote him back and said, we'll figure it out. I don't know where I'm going to be or anything like that. It could be anywhere in Southern BC, but we'll figure it out. So I get up there. Brad picks me up. We have lunch. The whole day goes just as planned. 1130 that night at the hotel, I get the call sheet. They're picking me up at 930 and taking me to Cultus Lake. So I'm going to be two and a half blocks away from where they are. So I walk on the set and I talk to, to, uh, the netters, um, uh, the producers, co-producers. So Gil and Lonnie, and I talked to Stuart Hazeldean who are all in a group together. And I say, you know what? I told you this story about my friends and would there be any possibility that they could come on set for the day? They're two and a half blocks away. And not only did they say yes, they said, absolutely. So 20 minutes later down the waterfront come the four of them and they step onto this set and just were enveloped by this community of creativity and we still don't know what we're seeing but they wanted me to be there because they had built the shack the shack that you see that's transformed Mm -hmm. actually all the all the shacks you see in the movie were built right on the same site they would build it and tear it down and rebuild it and tear it down and full size and so so we, we don't know what we're seeing and they're shooting an outside scene on the porch and they had, they have a, what's called a video village where you sit inside in chairs and the producer and the director have, have headphones on and are watching the monitors of the actual shot and hearing what's going on. Because when you're outside, everything's mic up. You can't hear what they're saying, but they had five chairs for us right in front of these video monitors. And they're going to shoot this scene all morning. It's going to take them all morning to shoot one scene and and we're going to sit right in front as they do this over and over. Well, here's the scene. Mm. It's the one where Mackenzie's had nightmares all night long, and he comes out onto the porch in the morning. Papa's got breakfast. It's a scene where she starts with, "You like Neil Young? That one." Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and and he, she says, "How how do you sleep?" And he said, "Fine, right, good." He's right? he's not being honest, and he just covering yeah. up. And, all sudden, mm-hmm. and, and yep, and he sits down. And they start a conversation and in the, near the end of that conversation, she says, you know, the real flaw in your way of thinking Mackenzie, is that you don't believe that I'm good. I am. And I'm in the middle of everything you consider to be a mess working for your good. And until you believe that I'm good, you're never going to be able to trust me. And he looks at her with all this fury contained inside of himself, and he says, why would I ever trust you? My daughter is dead. And he just smash, and he walks off and we're stunned. We're sitting there and I look over at Dwight and Lori and they're stunned and they reset and we watch it again. By the third time, we're bawling. Why would I ever trust you? My daughter is dead. Why would I ever, Mackenzie, until you come to the place where you understand that I am good, you're never going to. Why would I ever trust you? My daughter is
1: stuck. It's that stuckness that they were stuck at, and it was just playing out over and over in front of them.
0: Right in front of them. So we take a break. Octavia Spencer comes over and hugs them. Papa's embrace.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Sumi, Sumi was there, so the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit just just re- loved on them. And then the afternoon was the bird scene. You know, Mackenzie, sometimes pain is a way of clipping your wings so that you forget you were ever created to fly. You know, you were created to be loved. But you're looking through a little knothole of your pain and defining the whole universe. And we're, I mean, we're we're just a mess. And by the end of that day, when we're hugging goodbye, they're like, you have no idea, no idea. And I don't. But I get tastes of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, look at the timing involved in all this.
1: That's a god. You know
0: thing. <laughs> oh, timing is the sandbox of the Holy Spirit, right? So you've got I I you know, Lionsgate decides to invite me back. I get a little nudge that says, well, maybe Brad's around. I contact him. Not only is he around, he's, he runs right into the set that I'm going to end up being at with his friends who are so stuck inside their great sadness. And then that's the end. That's the place I end up going. They get invited on. And those are the scenes we end up watching. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. It's you just know? like jaw-dropping, mind-boggling, goosebump-creating <laughs> miracle There's a God who is good all the time,
0: involved in the details of our lives, and I think that that God is involved all the time like this. But you know, we're so scrambling for control and living in imaginations that don't exist. We don't have time to be present to see what's going on right around us.
1: The majesty and the magic that is available to all of us—it's astonishing.
0: It's too beautiful for words.
1: It's heaven on earth. Exactly. It feels like going back to the kingdom, um, the garden of Eden and the kingdom of heaven as on earth as it is in heaven. And I just think you are a miracle maker. I feel like miracles happen around you like they did Jesus. And I think it's just because of your devotion and your commitment to, to God. And it's, it's inspirational. It's magical. It's like, I'm just like, it's beyond words. I'm just so honored. Uh, to be in this conversation with you Paul.
0: Uh, two way street. Every conversation's a two way street. I mean it is. you, get, you, it you is. get to say things you've never said before and you know that uh, the Holy Spirit's so sneaky, you know? <laughs> always, always trying to make us look good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I it's love that. Great. <laughs> it totally. It's, it's the best.
1: It is the best. And this, I've just I'm just so honored to know you and just so uh, it sounds crazy. I'm just so proud of you. I'm just like in awe of how you have done your healing and just you are an inspiration and a catalyst for transformation for so many around you. And you're a blessing. You're a blessing and and
0: a miracle. And you know, what's so fun, Tammy. All I, all I have to do is be myself. You You know, know,
1: it's amazing.
0: It is. It's the easiest thing. I mean, it was trying to be like somebody else that was so hard, you know, and just made everything so confusing and, You had to cover up, and
1: yes, I say contorting ourselves is where we go into discomfort, dis ease, unease. It's finding our authentic shape and lining up with our soul, self, and source where the grace can occur, and the miracles, and the comfort, and the joy. And you are a living example of that, and so much more.
0: Ah, well said. Listen to I'll you. Be your little That's sister word awesome. wizard.
1: <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Oh, There's so, so much more I want to talk to you about. Lies we believe about God, your new book. But maybe I can have you back on again someday once you're healthy, healed, and, and recovered from this big experience, <laughs> this crazy journey you've been on. To yeah, my listeners, thank day. you. Thank you for being in relationship with Paul and me today. Thank you for your presence. I adore you. I appreciate you. And I hope to be in touch with you. Uh, Be in touch. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Email me. I want to hear from you. So again, thank you so much, Paul. You are a blessing. You are a gift. And my listeners, you are as well. Take good care of yourself.
0: Blessings on your day.
1: Thank you. Bye for now.